Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. I always get excited about the tithes and offerings. Brian says we failed it. It's more than 10%, so. Um, but we, I saw this week the details. A couple weeks ago, Nico and Diana came back from their Columbia trip to Bogota, and uh, I got to see where they're ministering. We just rented a three-story building outside of Bogota that's got about, uh, I think, 100 children. If you look at the poverty, and this is an outreach place uh, to them, and so I always get excited. I think the numbers between Nepal, Mozambique, Colombia, Israel is, we're probably ministering to about 60,000 people outside of Global River. We have you know, 106 churches in Nepal, which has about, last count, 49,000 throughout. So that 15.6% is doing a whole lot uh, beyond what you can imagine. So I wanna thank all of you for that. May God continue. All right, so let me, I told you this was gonna be part two. Did you do your homework? Yes. No and yes. Okay, <laughs> the Lord forgive them. Uh, those who were here last week, we were uh, picking up on part two. If you look at your handout, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. In fact, when you meditate on that for a moment out of First John, I asked that if you would do a couple things. One, I suggested that you read the first five, cha- the, the, the five chapters of First John. And then ask the Holy Spirit, what is your love deficit? Because look at this scripture there, the top of your outline there. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Which means, kind of picture this, if you kind of draw a big circle and God is the circle, right? He's the whole circle. And then when you start out, before you're saved, born again, you're outside the circle. He loves you, but you don't love him. You don't even, in fact, it makes it really clear. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil, right? It's not either or. Some people don't like that, but that's what the scripture says. So your bubble of you is outside the God bubble. Now when you get saved, you cross over, and I would just kind of put you on the the line of God's bubble. You're not finished yet, right? Philippians 1, 6 says, he who began the work in you will perform it till the day comes. So whether he comes for you in the second coming or he comes for you any day. So he's working, right? Even when I don't see him working. I love that song, Miracle Worker, right? He's working. Sometimes he's working when I really don't see him working, right? (laughs) He's really working on me, actually. Yeah, so when you think about it, that circle moves inside of God. And what he's saying is, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So if there's areas where you're not living in love, you're not in God in that area. Is that scary for you? Because we're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And so, so this, this area, in the love deficit area, um, and I, I'm going to just be transparent. I won't go into details because my wife says, you're not going to share that again. Anyway, so I told you that the gold standard is 1 Corinthians 13. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. I read it to you out of the Passion uh, Translation last week, but I want to look at it in King James and New Living. 
This is the agape love standard, right? Once you're in the big circle, which Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, I read this to you last week, that his love is so masterful, so unsearchable, so fathomless riches of Christ that it's gonna take all eternity for your roots to go into it, and yet you'll never get to the end of it. That's how deep his love is. And so, so this, if anybody thinks they haven't arrived, you're okay. I mean, it's a long journey. Paul even said, I haven't arrived yet after all the stuff he went through. But let's look at, first, begin in verse four, 1 Corinthians 13, four. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, boastful or proud, or rude. And it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Keep getting the kids ready for church this morning. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Goes down and talks about prophecy and knowing in part. We only look through the glass, right? But then it ends in verse 13. There are three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So I told you that we're gonna ask the Lord to show you your love deficits, right? And then uh, pray into that. So I didn't get past the halftime of Super Bowl, and I already failed. Um, we, just, we were over the Henderson's house. It was awesome. Thanks, Kerry and Mike. It was awesome. We had a wonderful time. All the gang was over there, and the Rams won. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> and so, anyway, but halftime, I didn't want to watch that crazy halftime show, so I said, come on, let's, honey, we're going to go home. Katie and I, we're going to go home. So we get in the car, and my wife and I have this argument over the GPS. And my First Corinthians 13 was not that. I was not incredibly patient. I was not gentle or kind. I was more selfish and self-centered. I know, it's hard for you to believe, Pat. I know you're with me all day and you never see that. Uh, yeah, 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 pray for me, please. And so, so, then I, so then I repented, but we had a terrible like 24 hours, like, you ever, you ever I know none of you experienced that. It's like, just like you're not in sync and like, yeah. finally, Monday night, she gives me a big hug, I forgive you, and yeah, yeah okay. So, and I knew I failed, for, well, Tuesday comes. And I'm up at the farm, and I'm working, I'm tired, and so I call up and said, honey, I'm coming home, you know those pork chops that you do for, oh, got them in there, and I'll be home, and I'm real hungry, and well, I get home, and the pork chops weren't ready. <laughs> she had everything beautiful, and like, everything's, and I'm like, where's the, where, and anyway. So I had to repent again, she goes, oh, man, this man I'm with. There's a reason he said we need a helper, right? There was no sin in the camp, and God looks at this poor guy and says, I gotta get this guy a helper, <laughs> right? It's, I know that none of you have that, I'm just letting you know. So I know this is all about love, and um, I told you last week, there's been one confirmation of other, my wife's dream, Tom, God's calling you, and it, you know, it was that place I had all the love scriptures out. Nilsa orders the bulletin weeks in advance, it's the title of the sermon, and so it just continued this week in the mail. I had, well, this was last week. I got this love thing from First uh, John 4. 
Then I got this pin somebody sent me, I am loved. And then navigators, I opened my mail Thursday, Friday, right? If I didn't get it before. <laughs> but it says, is God is love, 1 John 4, right? So anyway, I'm going to carry all my goodies in here. <laughs> You know, whack myself. Anyway, I, I think he's trying. He's calling me. Okay, I, I'm trying. Just pray for me, please. Okay. But this whole thing about if you're not living in love, you're not living in God. In fact, God's not living in that area of your life, and that's. Can I use the word? It's illegal. We gotta. We gotta get to a place where we love Him with everything that we are, and so. This is the journey that we're on here, and I want us to start. Let's look at 1 John, and first I want to give you kind of the, the scenario around this. I was really meditating on this this week about how did John get to this place where he could write this, uh, read this and write this to us uh, and then tell us to read it and meditate on it. First of all, if you look at where we are at this moment in John's life, We know that he died somewhere about 98 AD. He was the last surviving, he's the only um, disciple they believe was not martyred. So he was the only apostle of the original 12 that had not been martyred yet. In fact, they tried to martyr him. If you look at history, there's there's one you look at the, uh, what happened to all the apostles. And there's an account through many of the historian accounts. uh, When John was now, he's in, he's, 60 years past the resurrection of Christ. And he was annoying the emperor. He was annoying the Jews. He's preaching the gospel. He's, he's the ancient one of the, of the, the survivors. So what they do with him, they actually, one of the accounts has him, they bring him into a coliseum and they have a boiling vat of oil and they're gonna burn him alive in the oil. That's the plan. Can you imagine the coliseum? And they go, yeah, yeah, let's get rid of this Christian. And they bring, the account says they put him in the oil and they brought him out, and nothing happened to him. And they said, one of the accounts said, everyone in the Colosseum got saved. So now they're like, okay, we can't kill this dude. Why? Because he hasn't written the book of Revelation yet. His job's not done yet, right? He hasn't written 1 John yet. And so Jesus protects, until your assignment's done, it's not done. The devil can do it all he wants. It's not over. And so at that point, they said, well, what are we going to do? Let's, let's send him to some ancient island on the Isle of Patmos. So then he, they send him out there, and that's where he has the revelation of, of the, uh, the book of Revelation. And so, so they, they got to get him out of here because he's doing too much damage, right? Because we know that Rome doesn't become a Christian following until around 300 AD, right, when Constantine comes in. So I want you to get the picture of this. Realize what John has gone through. Stephen is the first one martyred. We know that in Acts, right? He's stoned. He, he preaches to the, tells the, 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 the religious guard there, they're a bunch of hypocrites, and they stone him to death. And Saul, Paul, is there, right, when he, he's actually in, in agreement with it. Right after that, in Acts chapter 12, Herod, King Herod, arrests John's brother, James. And right, and at that point, James is in prison, and the Jews are really upset. So what do they do? Herod has James killed with a sword. And he so, uh, gets so much positive feedback from the Jews, they arrest Peter. And Herod had every intention of killing Peter. But the church earnestly prayed 
Remember this? Rhoda goes to the door. The, the angel unlocks the prison because Peter's not done yet. And so they, the angel unlocks the prison door. Out comes Peter. He's knocking on the door. Rhoda says he's here. And they, no, he can't be here. We're praying for him. He's, he's here. Right? They unlock the door. Sometimes people are just going to pray. That's our assignment until we, well, anyway. So anyway, he, they, at that moment, what we see John has gone through, John has seen his brother killed. He's seen Stephen killed. And now he's seen all of the others. In fact, if you look at the accounts, we know um, James was killed by the sword. Judas committed suicide. Peter was crucified by Nero in 64 AD, right? He was crucified upside down. As Jesus prophesied, at some point they'll take you and stretch out your hands. Andrew was crucified upside down. In fact, if you look at Andrew's Uh, cross that's in the X form, he wanted to be crucified upside down as well, and history says he was crucified that way as well. Um, We know that Philip was beheaded. Bartholomew was flayed and beheaded. Thomas, I've been to the shrine in India when we had our ministries in India. I went to Thomas. He was actually killed there with spears, and they've got a, a, a whole shrine to him there, the work that he did in India. Matthew was stoned and stabbed and burned. Jude was martyred in Syria. He would cast demons out of idols, and they got upset about that, and uh, they killed him. Simon the Zealot was actually sawed in half in Britain. So when you look at how they spread the gospel, so John is getting these reports of all that's happening to the church. He's seen that the, if you look at the account here, it says those that were not with us, they left the church, but they were never with us anyway. And then he warns about the false prophets and all the false teaching. So he's seen the church, the fledgling church, and all these guys. So he gets to this place. He's seen the crucifixion. Remember, he's standing there with, his, with Jesus' mother, and Jesus said, behold your mother, behold your son. But now, Peter, Paul, Mary, they're all gone, Peter, Paul, and Mary. We just listened to that. that those are, that's a great group. Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? Yeah, the 60s revival team. They, they're really a Christian group. I got it on my phone. They did the wedding song. They did the There is Love, Puff the Magic Dragon, If I Had a Hammer, This Land is Your Land, Le- Leaving on a Jet Plane. You guys probably under 30, over 30. Anyway, it's great music. And they're Christians, in fact. So, Okay, so Peter, Paul, and Mary are gone, right, at this point. And, and John is... Is, is at this place, so now he writes 1 John. Now, I'm just gonna cherry pick from the five chapters because if you haven't read, read it, I encourage you to read it really slowly this week and highlight. There is so much gold in this. Let's look at verse one, 1 John 1, 1. Here's John's desire. He's, first, he's an eyewitness to what's taken place. We proclaim to you, I'm reading out a New Living Translation, but I'm gonna cherry pick some uh, King James as well. We proclaim to you, verse one, to one who existed from the beginning whom we have heard, have seen, saw with our own eyes, touched him with our own hands, he's the word of life. This is life itself who was revealed to us. We have seen him and now we testify, proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, then was revealed to us, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen, here's a, he repeats himself, we have actually seen, heard, 
so that you might have fellowship with us. He uses this word fellowship throughout all five chapters. Our fellowship is with the Father and is with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share in joy. So he's gonna then reemphasize this, he's an eyewitness. If you think about what he has seen, what he's experienced, he's experienced the evil, the murders, the death, he's seen the kingdom advance, he's seen the antichrist come in, he's seen the naysayers come, but he's seen it and he says, I've seen the word of life that you would be able to join with me. I'm telling you, I saw what I saw. I heard him, I handled him, I touched him, I was with him. I want you to be joyful, so your complete joy you'll have. That's what he's saying. Can you admit, see the old man is like, I wanna tell you what I've seen, All right? Get a hold of this because this is a revelation. Verse five, this is the message that you've heard from Jesus and now we declare to you, God is light. There's no darkness in him. We're lying if we say we have fellowship, there's that word again, with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. Now there's gonna be a theme. You continue to live in your sin, you practice your sin, you do not belong to him. That's a scary scripture. And those who are, you know, whichever camp, one saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. This scripture talks about your practice of lifestyle. And he goes on and hammers that and read it. Get, get a place, not condemnation, but get conviction because again, where's your bubble in God? We're all in this journey into his love. Now it goes on, it says, verse eight, if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. You're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, I, got, I love this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, wickedness. And if we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar. It's nobody sinless, amen? Then it's the good news. He says, and if you do sin, he goes, I've got, there's an advocate. His name is Jesus. You've got a lawyer. If you look at chapter two, it's like, Wow. If someone claims, this is verse three of chapter two, someone claims I know God but doesn't obey his commandments, that person's a liar. And the truth is not living in them. Remember, living in God, living in love. Then the word of truth shows that you completely love him if you obey him. Verse six, those say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. New Living, uh, King James says walk as Jesus walked. Man, we're not walking that yet, right? All right, look at, uh, drop down to verse, in chapter two, verse eight, it says, to love one another. This is the same commandment. It's an old one, but it's a new one. And you'll not cause anybody else to stumble, verse 10. If you're a lover of God, don't cause somebody else to stumble. Think about that a minute. Verse 15, don't live in the world. Don't love the world. Do not love this world, nor the things in it, because if you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers cravings of physical pleasure, craving for everything, pride of life, our achievements, our possessions. These are not from the Father, they're from the world. And anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Then he warns about Antichrist, these people who left our churches, they weren't part of us. So he saw church splits, he saw all the weird stuff, and we've seen it today, in all the different places, denominations splitting over reasons that some of them need to split. The things they're embracing are not scriptural. Verse 20, 
the Holy One has given us the Spirit. And then he goes on, he says, those who deny Christ deny actually the Father. And if you don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. And then he says, but you gotta remain in fellowship. Look at verse 24. Remain in fellowship again with the Son and you'll have eternal life. Then he says, the Holy Spirit lives in you and you don't need anyone to teach you. Then he goes, drops down to 28. And now children, remain in fellowship with Christ. We are God's children. All of chapter three is God's children. Don't keep on sinning. Don't practice the lifestyle of sin. If you practice this, you cannot. Look at verse, Miss Addie hammers this a lot on prayer ministries. Verse nine, you can't keep on sinning because you're a child of God. You can't make a lifestyle of practicing sin if you belong to Christ. So we need this place, Lord, I don't wanna, now, are we sinless? No, we know that. But you can't make a continual practice of sin. There's a desire from the Holy Spirit. You're not good at it anymore, and you don't like it anymore, right? Then he goes on about in chapter four. Let's, let's pick up discerning all the different voices. I've shared that before. Where's your thoughts come from? I just want to read chapter four, verse seven, down to 20. Loving one another. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God, he's gonna repeat this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might, ha- we might have eternal life. This is the real love that we loved God, but no, he loved us and sent his son. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen, seen God but we love each other. God lives in us and his love is brought in full expression in us. Full ex- what would the full expression look like? And God has given us his spirit, verse 13, as proof that we live in him. So if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Leif's been dealing with this, the baptism of love. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you, you're not capable. Now I realize, when you're born again, the Spirit, you're born by the Spirit. But if you are not baptized in the power and the Holy Spirit, Jesus dealt with this in Acts chapter one, verse four. Wait till the Father's gift comes. This is after resurrection, right? Before Pentecost, right? Acts chapter two. Then he goes on in Acts chapter eight. The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on the believers. So if the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on you as a believer, then you need to ask Father for the gift. John tells us that, he tells us, Jesus tells us that in Luke chapter 11. Ask the Father for the greatest gift. You who are evil fathers know how to give good gifts. So this is this place where we have seen, now he goes in again, eyewitness account, verse 14 of chapter four. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and testify the Father sent his Son as the Savior, and all who confess that Jesus is the Son have God living in them. So this is where the bubble starts, right? You may be outside the bubble of God. You get saved and start confessing Christ. You, you now intersect God's bubble, but there's still deficits in your heart and in mine, right? And so this love of God that has to be, continue to promote this and let the soil be the place where our roots go down into his marvelous love. And then he says, God is love and all who live in love. And then you see the theme, live in God and God lives in them. And then he says, if you have any fear, 
then you have not had the love perfected yet. Look at verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. You got any fear deficits? That's a love deficit. Now, there's, I told you, there's legitimate fear. Don't go, you know, be careful when your children are at the beach and there's riptides, right? Don't let your toddler go out in the road. There's, there's, there, are, there are legitimate places of, of concern, but the fear that says, you know, God doesn't love me, he's not gonna take care of me, that I'm gonna, those are illegitimate fears. And we know from Paul telling Timothy, right? 2 Timothy 1.7, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So we know that the Lord didn't give you that fear. The devil did, or the world did, or the circumstances of the world. So any fear, you're, you gotta challenge that fear. Well, God isn't gonna take care of me. I'm not gonna have enough food. I'm, I'm gonna die when he doesn't want me to die. Wait a minute. That's saying that God's not big enough to love you. That's not true. And so that's rooted and grounded in fear. And he says, look, and it's also fear of judgment, fear that he's not gonna, he tells us we don't have to fear judgment. You can walk right into the throne room of God without fear. Wow, amazing. Even in our broken sinfulness journey, we can walk into that place. That's why Paul says, I haven't arrived, but I, I continue to press towards the high calling of Christ in my life. So when we look at, Look at number one in the outline. We need to get comfortable, the title there, get comfortable with godly love and challenge your deficits. I ask you to just, Lord, show me that. Now, it'll, it'll show up usually by the first Corinthians 13 failures. <laughs> I'm irritable and not patient and I'm not kind and it's all about me. There's a deficit there. It's all about me. No, it's about him. And so... So look at, those are, those are uh, telltale signs of it, areas in your life that I'm not completely surrendered. I still got a lot of self operating here. Now, I re- recognize there's evil in the world, you gotta stand against evil. Um, it's not you know, lay down everything, no, you gotta stand against evil. We demonstrated that, right? In, against the Nazi Germany, we, we, we came against Japan, but once we defeated him, I told you, the, my story of the, the kamikaze pilot in, when I was in Japan, who lived and said, you know, I know what we would have done to you if we had conquered you. We would have made your life, but instead you rebuilt my home and you fed me and you cared for me. You Christians, you intrigued me. See, that's the love of God. Once evil is stopped, then we love our enemies, right? At that point, we don't, we don't continue. So don't mismatch the words here. We we're saying God is love, but we even know Jesus confronted love. He tipped over tables in the temple. He made a mess out of the ta- money changers because this is my father's house. You made it a bunch of thieves, den of thieves. So there's times when we confront evil, but once it's settled, we love our enemies. Okay, let's look on. Number one, love being made perfect. The Greek there is complete. That word perfection there in 1 John 4, uh, 4, 17, bravo, 17b is Greek word, which means love is being made complete, and we don't have that yet. He also says, as Jesus is, so are we in the world. Are you like Jesus in the world yet? Got really quiet. We want to be, right? <laughs> and sometimes we do it. I mean, it's like, wow, house of mercy or this, and it's like, 
man, I feel so good. You feel the best when you've actually done something with the Lord on, on helping somebody. And when there's no agenda, when there's no uh, hook, as Leif was talking about, there's no payback that you're going to give or get from this. That's why when we do missions or we do things in some of the poor, they have no way of paying you back. And it feels so pure and so complete. That's that place where we're living like Jesus. And it's, there's an opportunity even in this region here. Number two, if you're lacking in love, then we're lacking in God in this area of our life. There's something else dwelling there. If you turn to Colossians 3 for a minute, uh, Colossians 3 says, put on the clothing of love, right? And fight against the thing that lurks within. <laughs> Colossians 3.3, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. This is that creepy crawly thing, that's what that word means. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, don't be a greedy person, an idolater. Don't worship the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. So this, look what's, look, what's lurking in there. <laughs> There is a war on love, and it is battling right now like we have not seen in a long time. And Jesus warned us that. I listed there Matthew 24, 12. He said, sin will abound. One of the signs of the end is sin will be rampant everywhere. Sin will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. King James says, wax cold. So what's happening? You turn on the TV, the slander, the hatred, the competing They can't trust the Democrats, can't trust the Republicans, can't trust any politician. We don't trust this. We don't trust the medical What's happening? On this foundation and the breakdown of trust, what's happening is your heart has a tendency to get cold. I don't believe anything. I don't trust what they're saying. And that love of many is growing cold. And he warned us, when I return, will I find faith in the earth? We got to guard this thing. We We can recognize what's going on, but we got to get into the bubble of Jesus. Say, look, I'm not buying all of that, and I, you know what? Come on, this is where we're, this lacking in love. If you're lacking of love in that area, then there's something else dwelling there. And this war on love, we've got to fight against the war on love. Because what did he say? They will know you by your love. When, this is such a great testimony of y'all. People who walk in here oftentimes saying, it was so welcoming, it was so warm, it was like, if you get anywhere near, are people huggers? Some people are like, I'm not a hugger. Well, you're going to get hugged anyway, right? Matter of fact, I said, Miss Addie could start a whole denomination of huggers, right? And so, see, I just thought, she's got a testimony of hugging people that were not having it, not having it, broke all that ugliness off them, and they just fell in love. So there's something about this expression that you can talk about it, but you got to model it. you got to live it. you got to be it. Anyway, and I'm just asking us all to go there. What's this agape love? Help us, Lord. That's that perfected love. I won't go here, but the Greeks have six words for love. But the agape is the love for all, everyone. It's the God God love, and it expels fear. When you start touching on the agape love of God, it'll get rid of your fears. Right? It's like we know from Revelation 12, we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, So what he did with the blood, what we now testify of our faith, and it says they didn't even love themselves unto death. Because why? They know who he is. They know who he is. 
So, number five. Jesus said those who endure till the end will be saved. There's an enduring love that we've got to stay in. Matthew 24, 13. And so, perfect love expels. Look, last part. Love enduring journey. I was going to title it Love's Enduring Journey. Was that one of those Hallmark movies or something? Yes. It, was it? Yeah. I thought it was Love's Enduring. That's a great title. But anyway, I, I like God as love better. But it says Love's Enduring Journey. The journey starts with knowing your true identity. This is what Leif Hedlund was hitting on really big time Wednesday. I'm telling you, this has been supernatural the last six weeks with him. Wow. Whew. We're probably gonna, we're gonna have to probably show it again because the depths of it is like, yipes. It's doing something with me and, and many others. But this is that if you don't know who you are, um, then you have, you're gonna have a real difficulty loving yourself and seeing how God sees you. In fact, he says, knowing who you are, and better yet, whose you are. Once you know whose you are, then you can love yourself better, right? And it's like, so this is that place where the, the identity is really huge. And we know that Jesus did not begin his ministry. At 30 years old, you can look at that in Luke chapter three, right? He, get, he goes and he's water baptized, the heavens are literally, Greek says, torn open. The spirit descends on him. He's baptized. Now, the son of God is baptized in water. He's sinless, and yet he's God, and yet he's baptized in water, and he's baptized in the spirit, and then he starts ministry. He's led by the, by the, by the spirit into the desert to be tempted of the devil. If you're fighting temptation and you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are going to have a hard time. I've tried it for many years. Come on, and so seek after, search out, get online, go in the scriptures. What is this baptism of the Holy Ghost? And then pray, have somebody pray for you. I shared a few weeks ago about D.L. Moody and, and others who they contended for it, and when it came, wow, liquid love. Stay your hand, Lord. I can't handle any more. I might die. The love of God, so powerful. So we see that in Isaiah 6. I'm a man of unclean lips when I saw the Lord's robe fill the temple, right? He touched my lips with his coal of fire, and I'm a, it's that revelation of God. It's so easy to get humble when you see him as he is and, when, and then have him tell us who we are. We see that in Revelation chapter two. He says, there's a name that God has for each of you. Ask the Lord to show you the name he has for you. Mom says hers is antelope. She's gonna be on the heights, Right? She tells me that mine is not, it's Thomas, the seeker of truth. Not the doubting Thomas, that was the old dude, right? I seek, I really, I really honor and value truth, and so Lord, let, let us have the truth. Tell us, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, we're gonna handle the truth. All right. <laughs> Jesus got his identity before, and then verse number three, deal with the Father's issues, your love deficits. There's a reason the psalmist writes, he will be a father to the fatherless. Every one of us has motherless and fatherless areas of our heart that only he can complete. I don't care how perfect your parents were. They got issues. And you got some of them. Or you got your own. And so this is that place where, Lord, I need you to father me. I need you to father me. I, I got fatherless areas. And, man, he's dealt with me. He showed me some pictures of stuff from, that I've had to deal with. I am not done yet, you know that. But let's, uh, so this is where deal with your father issues and your deficits and for, choose to forgive. If you're holding any unforgiveness, you're blocked. 
That is a love blocker big time. No justification. You're not allowed to have unforgiveness. I don't care if someone murdered a family member, abused you, broke things. Now, you don't have to have dinner with them and all that. I get it. Stay away from them if they're abusers. But you've got to ask the Lord, create in me a way to forgive them. Because Jesus wasn't kidding when he says, if you refuse to forgive, there's a choice, Deuteronomy 30, God, he says, all heaven will witness your choices, that you'll be blessed or you'll be cursed, life and death. Heaven will witness your choices. And if you choose not to forgive, it says this, if you choose not to forgive, the Father will not forgive you either. And Jesus modeled it. Near death, forgive him, Father. I don't know what they're doing right now. So this is, again, this preaches real nice and it walks real hard. I'm, I'm still on this journey. Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Love your enemies, John 3, Matthew 23. Love starts on the inside and is a transforming power of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit transforms us. Let me finish with this last scripture and we'll, we'll land this thing. Turn with me to Philippians 1.9. Ron sent this out this morning and I just, again, it was sitting at the table looking over my sermon and bing, seven o'clock, oh, that's Ron. And uh, I can set my watch, I know what time it is. <laughs> and it's like Philippians 1. This was such a, he was a, what's it called? It's a whisper? I hear his whisper, yeah. It's a, and I think a lot of it's out of the Passion Bible, right? But the scripture that really stood out is in Philippians, in chapter one. Philippians one, and look at verse nine and 10. Let me read it in the King James, and then I'll read it in New Living. And this I pray, this is Paul telling the church at Philippi, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve all things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. New Living says it this way, verse nine. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, what really matters matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation and the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So let's stand. I want to invite the ministry team. You know who you are. Uh, If you'll come forward. This morning we've had some really wonderful ministry time and the worship was so awesome. I love Love what God's doing in our worship. If you're here this morning and you just want agreement on something, it's our ministry team will deal with anything that's told to them in privacy, but there's something about two or three agreeing as touching it shall be done for them. So Lord, I thank you that this morning this subject of your love is, is un unfathomable, it's beyond understanding. It says, it's so high, so wide. Richard read it, so high, so wide, so long, so deep. Paul says in Ephesians 3 that he was privileged to share the mystery that's been hidden, that he had come to share the depths of the love of God. So Lord, I pray 
it would be a calling card. As we go to our families, Lord, we'd be quick to repent for our selfishness, self-centeredness, irritability, when we're not kind, or even when we've justified anger, resentment, racism, hatred. Lord, I pray right now for all the things happening in the earth. I pray for the Russians that are on the Ukrainian border. I pray for the Iranians and the Syrians and Hezbollah that would proclaim death and destruction to Israel and the United States. Lord, I pray for all this craziness that's going on right now. So Lord, we just pray for a supernatural release of your peace for over our leadership, those in Congress and the judiciary. God, we need tremendous wisdom and revelation. We also know that love conquers many, many things. Love conquers many, many things. So Lord, I just pray for your covering. Let this area be a place of peace. All the stuff happening even in our city right now, we ask that you'd release protection over the city, Lord. Lord, I pray for marriages. Pray for our schools. God, let the love of God rule and reign and expose the evil before they have opportunity to manifest that. Lord, we thank you for your people. I pray tonight over all of the circumstances in your families. I pray for our kingdom men, kingdom women, our outreach ministries, our missionaries overseas. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being part of your kingdom and part of the family as children of God. We bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you for being here. Don't forget Kingdom Men and Women tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, House of Mercy.